Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. We are back with another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Pretty excited to be recording this Sunday evening, actually. Um, didn't go earlier. I'm pretty glad we didn't because last night, Morgan, myself, and some friends, Dan, uh, took in the Super Bowl festivities. Uh, it's pretty clear that Patriots fans are unwelcome here. Really? Like, it's not the Eagles, the team that basically slapped you guys out of the Super Bowl convention? Actually, neither of you are welcome. We're just that bitter up here. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I feel like you would want revenge, uh, but I, I know that today, at least uh, I imagine you're the same way, Nick, filled with uh, youthful vigor after the win today. I, I feel I feel good. Um, you know, probably not as good as Brandon felt after the said festivities last night, but I feel good nonetheless. 
It was fun. There was um, uh, a concert. There's a lot of kind of street vendors and things going on. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like a little taste test of what a, like a big day out at Wembley would be, which uh, hopefully, you know, after today, Chelsea are continuing in uh, on that path. So uh, with that being said, obviously, my name is Brandon. We have Nick and Dan with me, and uh, we like to do some shout-outs, Dan, right off the bat. So uh, for those of you unfamiliar, we love giving shout-outs in return for five-star reviews in iTunes, and we had two more today. Yeah, and we had our wonderful friend, uh, 30A Blues, and then also uh, Mikey McMikeface, who uh, just blew himself. Great Arrested Development pun. Wonderful reference there. Uh, Five-star reviews on iTunes, and uh, if you drop one of those, we will go take a look. We we peruse the store to see what's out there, and we'd love to give you a shout-out at the top of the show. So drop a little five-star, and we'll give you some love. Absolutely love all day. Uh, we also give love, Nick, to our presenting sponsor, World Soccer Shop. Uh, again, just plug in the code to make sure everyone knows in case, um, you know, in, ca- in case they don't know yet, Nick. If you don't know, now you know. Um, it, the code is London Pod. Good for ten percent off uh, your purchase, no matter what. Uh, it's extended, um, so this code will work through March thirty first, and then we'll, uh, I'm sure, we'll have another. Uh, scenario come up with them or we'll have a new code but uh yeah it could be used for some customization on us it could be used to to pay some shipping should you be ordering a large number of items that could get a little pricey so uh go to worldsoccershop.com plug in the code london pod and uh and enjoy yourself some merch dan that's the way it should be yeah i, I would be ready to get a, uh, a golonzo jersey oh no <laughs> He's on fire. I mean, you could do a lot worse. Who scored game of 10 out of 10 today? Whoa. Really? I mean, I wasn't going to. That's a little high. Wow. First of all, they don't usually give 10s, but that seems ridiculous. Anyway. Yep. Cool. That's kind of what I thought. Mishi with a 9, Hazard with an 8.3, and everyone else was 6s and 7s. Oh, Caballero was 8.5 too. Everyone else, though, was 6s and 7s. So, you know, I guess that's where their their uh their scale lies so but let's go ahead and get into it obviously the the match review of today's pod is the newcastle united match it was in the fa cup fourth round it was at stanford bridge and it was this past sunday january 28th uh scoreline blues three magpies zero and we did have a correct score prediction on facebook uh chukwakumeka jr nailed it how did you how did you do that you just gotta go fast don't think oh, I might have missed some letters. That I don't even is, know. That was unbelievable. Bravo! Bravo! The, bravo. Yeah. Wow. Say well, say that another time though. And, no, and that's I, I think you know I'm not about to just uh, waste the great performance I just had and followed up with anything worse. <laughs> so Dan, uh, Chelsea, back to the three four three, kind of three four two one. However you want to splice it. Um, but still, more changes to this lineup. Continuing in the midfield specifically. Yeah, well, I mean, we did have Willie Cabernet between the sticks as uh, Courtois continued some ankle rehab time. Rudiger, Christensen, Cahill come in. So Azpilicueta given the day off. Uh, Zappacosta, Drinkwater Conte, so the Leicester City pairing in the center. Alonso, or uh, Gonzalo, uh, had his chance to play there. And then we had Pedro Hazard in minutes for Mishi or goals by Mishi at the front of the line. And I don't know about you, Nick, but when I saw this come out, 
I, I figured, you know, outside of Barkley, potentially maybe not starting, that this was the lineup that we were going to see, uh, given the fact that we also have to, you know, plan for, you know, kind of a match uh, later in the week here against Bournemouth. Yep. I mean, if Kennedy was still at Chelsea, he would have played this game. Um, but uh, considering that we don't have another uh, left back ish replacement, Alonzo was always going to play and play he did. So uh, great uh, team performance today, and, and we'll dive in. I mean, from the stats line, it was pretty one sided. Uh, Chelsea was 61% possession, 18 shots to nine. Eight of those 18 were on frame. I don't know. I mean, you know, Chelsea 85% passing percent. Thought that was good, especially because at times, Nick, you know, Chelsea, again, you kind of talked about in the text, struggled with the press a little bit. But before I unleash you, Derek on Instagram saying, Nick, how did Chelsea's performance make you feel? Dan, what was it most analogous to? And Brandon, hi, keep up the great work. Will do. I'm not going to keep doing anything. Just keep it simple. So, Nick, back to you. Uh, How did Chelsea's performance make you feel overall? First of all, first of all, I will be the one to judge if you're doing a great job. Um, (laughs) And you do. (laughs) Um, No criticism ever from Nick. And no, no, no. Even keeled. Um, No, I, I think it was it was fine. It was a fine performance. You know, I. It, I think uh, I think Dan in the second half uh, texted the group and said, "Yeah, it looks like Newcastle's pretty much just given up." Um, I think that the commentators made a really good point that their 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 quest, Newcastle's quest, is not to win the FA Cup this year. It's to uh, to stay in the Premier League, and they are only barely um, not in relegation zone right now. So uh, it, it was better. Um, you know, certainly, you know, there was a couple of chances in there that, you know, you know I could think of the Zapacosta and the Pedro chance specifically that could have made this thing even, you know, more of a blowout. But uh, certainly enough to get the job done and, and move on to that next round without a pesky replay, which is ideal. Thankfully, avoided that. Uh, Dan, you know, answering Derek's question, do you have an analogy that uh, really stuck out to you for this one? Hmm. Well, we, we did do a Ghostbusters theme today when we were uh, tweeting out during the match. And, you know, I, I think the first thing that uh, our buddy Mike Rainier Blues put together, which was Rafa Benitez on the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, which is <laughs> simply that. inspired. Oh, so uh, good. <laughs> it, it really, it, you know, anytime Rafa comes back in, it, it's really about, you know, beating back the the demons of, of you know, Chelsea manager past that uh, maybe you want to continue to forget. But, Boy, do you love to hate! And you know what, what better way to do that than you know beating up on uh, beating up on the Spanish waiter? So uh, I, I would go with that. You know, it's uh, it's it's blowing up the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I mean, I enjoyed it as always, Mike. Uh, M- Mike on the graphics there, just just crushing it. Uh, v Factor Seven at saying two questions. Um, how good was Mishi's hairstyle? And have you guys come up with a cool nickname for Caballero? Uh, no, we, we have not. And nope. <laughs> the hairstyle, it didn't even make it through the entire game, Dan. I mean, the top knot started all right, but it, it clearly wasn't working. Well, here here's, uh, I think I understand it finally. So here here's here's how it breaks, breaks down, Nick. So you look at what do, you know, Peter Crouch, Jekko, you know, all these other strikers, Giroud, that we've been looking at have in common over Mishi is that they're like six foot. And that's top knot. I thought you were going to say white. Um, no, God, 
god, no. I was no. like, I was like where <laughs> are you going like two, with this? They've got like two to three more inches on Mishi. So he uh, figured, man, I top knotted up. Mm. I'm a I'm a six three, six four striker now. And then <laughs> Chelsea don't need to look anywhere else. They can just keep me. That uh that also would explain why Mishu was wearing those platform cleats, which I thought was a it was a bold statement. Um, that's a joke, uh, by the way. <laughs> so no, no, I, I get what you're saying. It's uh, it, it was a it was an interesting style. He also shaved, you know, which it, I always find that to be disturbing. Um, if you don't know, I'm a bearded person, so yeah, no, I, I, a guy who you know is just. Chugging along. What I love about Mishi, if I can just say this about him, there's all this nonsense and, and press rumors about how Conte does or doesn't rate him. And, you know, he'll go out there and stink it up one day and then come back and play pretty well like he did today. And, you know, he just seems like he keeps the same kind of point of view and and has fun out there. And, you know, we, we talk about all these problems every week and, you know, problems being that, you know, we're not going to win the title this year, blah, blah, blah. And he's just out there having fun. And I respect the hell out of that. You know, that's it's I, cool. And I think that's why people like him. I will say, Nick, that uh, there was someone who tweeted back at Mishi today, this guy, Glenn Robertson, who tried to top knot himself with yeah, uh, very minimal that. hair. Oh, and no. uh, <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. Uh, but Mishi retweeted it saying we have a winner. And uh, it was it was quite the... <laughs> side-by-side comparison between the two of them <laughs> well played yeah no it's good i uh i promise we will talk much much more about mishi and his performance uh but just real quick obviously on the goals 31st minute uh mishi uh finishing off uh a very wide open goal uh able to knock that in um it was a it's a great ball by pedro released hazard um he he was patient enough uh had great vision alonzo you know, nothing like having your left wing back as the third furthermost person in the attack. Um, I don't know if he was trying to shoot or what, but it ended up getting to Mishi and ended up being another great team goal, Dan. Uh, we're seeing, I feel like, a lot more fluidity and combinations out of this formation, also foreshadowing to something else we'll talk about later. Yeah, I think ultimately Pedro was, was making Seth feel a little jealous that he wasn't the delivery man of that ball. You know, we went from you know, UPS to FedEx there with how quickly that thing was moving across. And it, it was really uh, nice to see. Nothing like a good logistics pun, Dan. You know, that's, <laughs> I know that's what the fans have been waiting for this whole time. Yeah. Oh, we, we, we could put in uh, a William and we'll get the DHL delivery service. So, oh, I mean, no. you know, there's, there's multiple no. logistics options we can go with here if you really want to dive down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Uh, Amazon Prime also is another option for that. Uh, so, yeah, like what I what I mostly liked about this goal is that it took a little bit of cunning to get there, and then it took a lot of, uh, I think, restraint for Mishu to stay on side uh, <laughs> because he could have he could have easily he could have easily ran into an offside position. Uh, and when I first saw the goal, I thought it was it was maybe offside, but he was two or three yards on. Um, it was just it was a good team goal, you know. Is certainly after all the the bad juju from from Wednesday and, and crashing out of the Carabao Cup, like that's a, it was a big. I think it was a big team goal, like to just shut everybody up, shut all the doubters up, just say, hey, we're here to do this thing today. Uh, we're not crashing out of this cup. We're gonna go make it happen and. 
you know, it was kind of from that point forward, Brandon, that I think uh, it was it was cruise control. You know, Newcastle had a couple of shots, but nothing um, that hard to uh, for for Willie C to take care of, and and Chelsea just looked like they were on a quest to uh, score some goals. Well, they did get about six shots on goal, and I feel like at least four of them came in about the five, 40 to 45th plus stoppage time minutes. Right. Uh, Chelsea were definitely under it a little bit, and thankfully uh, got a nice little counterattack. Again, Hazard pushing the pace, uh, running at Newcastle in their defense. Uh, Mishi just kind of took his run, opened up, also did another did a really good job staying on sides and um, obviously a really fortunate deflection as he blasted it off the center back's legs but nonetheless it went in and Chelsea were up 2-0 and I feel like halftime was very well timed because they um, needed it I think at that bet at that bit just to release a little bit of the pressure that Newcastle had been applying oh yeah I, I would agree with that I mean I think Whereas you could say that we, we might have been a little bit unlucky this season in some of the, the finishing. Uh, Dan, this this was incredibly fortunate. <laughs> this was a uh, about as high as a ball can go up in the air and still land in the back of the net. Um, it, pretty impressive overall. Yeah, Pedro was pretty jealous if he think about a couple <laughs> of the attempts he had yeah. later in the match that uh, he didn't get the, the wonky pinball s you know, experience for his goal um so ultimately it was it was definitely you know a nice return of fortune to chelsea after what we've witnessed the past couple matches and the luck has not necessarily broke our way and you got to appreciate that it was you know mishi that it, it came good for mm-hmm. i agree I think all of us knew that it was going to take three goal lead to, to make the subs. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened the 76, 72nd minute. Uh, Alonzo steps up. Another free kick on the right side of the box. Uh, this one had a lot of whip on it. So I was like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't the greatest placement, but there's a lot of velocity. And the ball started going towards the goalkeeper and then really took off going away from him. And uh, I think that's what really helped Alonzo in this situation. Another goal for the left wing back. He is continuing his march uh, closer and closer to double digits. Uh, fantastic strike. Uh, his He's consistent to me, Dan. I think that's the most important thing is when Alonzo steps up over ball, I at least feel like there's a good chance it'll be on frame and not just skied over the bar. Yeah, I mean, there's the, you know, you get the David Louise like one in a hundred possibility that it's going to go in and every other time it's going to basically break someone's nose on impact as it kids into the stands. And Alonzo is giving you the, the good vibes thinking, oh, this actually could could convert. And he actually, after the match, was talking to a uh, former guest of the show, uh, Jason Cundy and the, the Chelsea TV crew. And they were talking about, you know, how did it go out and, and how did he kind of, you know, he was talking to the, the ref and what was that like? And I guess he was indicating that he had spoken to the ref about making sure the wall was in the right location so that he would have have a good shot on target. And sure enough, it uh, came through unlike midweek. So it was nice to see Alonzo get another one. And ultimately, you know, it, as people talk about, you know, who's the backup to Alonzo, you know, he, he is trying to make sure that he is the first in mind on the team sheet, uh, even if he is uh, the one with the, the leggy kind of vibe going on right now. 
All right, well, let's go ahead and dive into the Mishi discussion. Obviously, he is now up to 10 goals on the season in all competitions. And I'm sure most of you have seen this comparison on Instagram that Bleacher Report did between him and Murata for uh, goal minutes per goal. So Murata is at 2,039 minutes played, 12 goals. That turns out to 169.9 minutes per goal. Mishi... The social media warrior is at 996 minutes played, 10 goals, 99.6 minutes per goal. So obviously, he's an hour better than Murata. There's so many different ways you can splice this, Dan, obviously. Um, there, so, there are not actually that many different ways you can splice this. Well, I, I think mean, you talk about opponents, right, and like different competitions and things. I mean, I think that playing against Man City versus Newcastle in the FA Cup is different. Yeah, I mean, Dan, I'll steal this one from me really quick. <clears throat> this was meant to to rile people up. This graph, I, I there's no other purpose for it. Like, if you look at the minutes played, that tells you all that you need to know. Alvaro Morata has played against the highest level of competition that we have, and Mishi Batshuayi has played in the Carabao Cup, uh, limited minutes in the Premier League as a sub, and uh, and in the FA Cup. Uh, the end. Uh, you know, like I understand that man efficiency. It seems like like this is some sort of crazy deal. It's it's really not. Um, the level of competition that Murata has played against is higher, and it's not to take anything away from Mishi, but Mishi didn't put the stat out here, so I feel confident saying this. Uh, this the, you can't compare these two right now. You know one. Uh, has the chance to be a world-class player, and the other is a, a goal poacher who could have a very, very nice career, but you know, I don't think we'll ever approach world-class. So, okay. yeah. it, look, I, you know, I don't want to... Like, I think this was just clickbait, man, honestly. Sure. Like, and that's partly why I wanted to bring it up. So to run through it real quick, Dan, um, Mishi has won against Karabag in the Champions League, three in the EFL Cup against Nottingham Forest, one in uh, the Champions League against Atletico Madrid. He has two against Watford in the Premier League. He has one against Norwich in the FA Cup, and now two against Newcastle in the FA Cup. So, unfortunately, that's only, what, two Premier League goals for him, I'd say? It one Champions League, and then that makes seven in the FA and EFL Cup, the League Cup. So my, my question that I was kind of trying to frame up for everyone is, are, is Mishi, are we taking him for granted? Is he a good cup striker? Or since Newcastle are Premier League side with some substitutions, is he actually good enough long-term to stick in the first 11, especially as we look to sign all these super tall strikers and then possibly Ed and Dzeko? He's a developmental project, and I think that when you look at Chelsea having really two strikers right now that are forms of developmental projects and where they are and maybe not necessarily the, the proven article uh, in either Murata or in Mishi, that th there has to be you know some thought about what the path is, is for them. I think for Murata, it's someone who is going to challenge him to be the best striker on the team, which I, I don't necessarily think... Mishi is the person to do that, despite the wonderful performance today. Uh, I, I don't think it would be, uh, you know, a, a nine and a half or a ten necessarily, but it, you know, it took him about, you know, twenty twenty five minutes to get into the game and start moving the ball forward, and 
interlinking with, with Hazard and, and Pedro and, you know, Zappa Costa on the wings to kind of get some of the movement going. And, and once he did, he really found himself, you know, in this game. Uh, but then he also, you know, went quiet at the end. And I think we're going to take a look at these two goals and, and the match they had today and, and think very favorably about it. But he needs to play 90 minutes every match to to grow as a striker. And, you know, I think that he was getting that when he was, you know, over with uh, Marseille before he came over. And, and now he's I think maybe stunted a little bit. And it's not to say that he's, you know, not, capable of being a striker for Chelsea but I think he more than anyone needs an opportunity to play and play consistently and if we do sign someone I, and I think it would be beneficial to be able to send Mishi out for for six months and get him ready for the World Cup and, and get him ready for you know a chance to play even at the an even higher level and and you know the the stage for his country as well and have him potentially come back at the end of you know a summer window here and, and compete because uh, right now he's not you know and it might be for a different manager so i mean i think that's another thing to kind of take in mind too is that you know he's only become the option when Murata or hazard maybe isn't the option and i think that speaks volumes nick right exactly like i mean there's a clear heart hierarchy involved you know i i i, I realize that murata has gone a bit cold but you know uh, to to me it's it's about the uh you know availability like i've said before and it's also about the uh kind of level that you bring to the game you know are people scared of you are you you know as a striker specifically you know diego kind of always had that fear factor Murata will eventually get that uh but he certainly has the talent to back it up and and that's why like you know, you look at the minutes played, you look at the uh, the production, the goals in big moments. You know, Mishi has one of those against Atletico Madrid, right? Um, Marat has a, a, a quite a few of those. Um, so all, all things considered, Brandon, I, I just uh, I, I know why Bleacher Report put this out there. We're talking about it. Um, you know, it makes sense on all sorts of. Uh, engagement uh, metrics uh, for social media, but uh, it's it's a uh, it's a made up thing. Well, to me. I know Jake Cohn has uh, been a big supporter, and he was kind of tweeting about how Mishi has quietly gotten to ten goals. Um, to put in perspective, Mishi had twenty six goals at Marseille over two seasons and about thirty eight appearances, starting in sub. So, obviously, a really good goal record, which is why Chelsea and other teams are looking at him. It's kind of interesting when you look at social media about this because you have at DRC263305 uh, saying, not a question, but if Mishi could consistently put in shifts even half as good as he was today, we wouldn't have to listen to stupid and embarrassing trance rumors about Andy Carroll and Peter Crouch. But here's the problem. I Buffalo Wings says, it seems like when Mishi is scoring goals, we are winning all is well, but when he is invisible during a game, or he gets completely shut down, we drop points, everyone calls us to loan and sell the guy. I think this is the problem, and like Dan goes back to consistency, you're saying he needs to play 90 minutes. So, you know, it's kind of a chicken in the egg, right? He needs minutes to be more consistent, but Chelsea aren't in a position to have a misfiring striker, you know, go silent in in some of these matches. LA Chelsea Blues on Instagram saying he should have kept the top knot for the entire match. It was working. 
you know, I guess technically he didn't score in the second half, so we'll have to double check with him to see if that's really what it was. Um, but in, in comparison, thankfully Mike here is, is on Skype with us. He put in perspective, Morata has 10 Premier League goals, one Champions League goal, and one League Cup goal. So the big difference there, obviously Morata has a lot more opportunities in the Premier League, but that's where the majority of his goals are coming from, which is um, which is much, much more important, as Conte has said, than, than competitions like the League Cup. Um, so I, I think we'll have to see, you know, Antonio Conte seems to be pretty open about Michi leaving on loan. It sounds like Sevilla are completely in the dark now waiting to find out, um, you know, as it's January 28th today, if, you know, in the next three days, Jekyll or someone comes in. Uh, but there's not a lot of time to uh, to chop and change the roster at this point. So I'm kind of... I'm kind of, you know, watching with bated breath a little bit. I know Mark on Facebook posted the same thing. He said he's he's new to watching Chelsea, but he seems like just the vibes with everything this summer. It, it, he's a little worried about it, and, and we'll have to kind of see how it goes. You know, Chelsea's tend to leave business late in the window, unfortunately, and, and they're back at it. Um, but whether or not he he leaves or not, um, I, I, I want to talk about the formation Conte has now been on a bit of a streak with the 3-4-3 formation, Nick. Um, Especially, you know, we said this before, it helps Mishi having two attackers with him. Uh, He was combining with them again today. Um, He even, do you remember right at the end of the... Uh, was it or at sometime in the second half he played a one touch ball in over the top to Hazard which the linesman incorrectly flagged off sides I mean he he had his head up he was looking to get people in and even play a little bit of the playmaker we talked about this a little bit last pod but the 3-4-3 seems to be working obviously Gary Hayes was on the podcast recently saying he is adamant that you know they should continue with it longer than than moving to the 3-5-2 it it seems to to, to be working at this point. I don't know. I thought our midfielders were non-existent, but that's kind of the formation, right? Like, they're not expected to really provide much in attack. What is, what's the question? I mean, the 3-4-3, three, three, it's working, right? Like, will should we stay continue? or will it go? Yeah, yeah. should yeah. we continue with it? I mean, the, the positive is that you get more attackers in. We have our wingers back. The negative is your midfield really doesn't provide anything going forward at all. I like the three four three. Uh, the only the only issue I have with it is that when you look at uh, specifically in Golo Conte and Drinkwater today, I don't really think that combin like I think that combination is really solid defensively. I don't think that combination provides anything moving forward. And so if if you're you know it kind of goes back to you know what you know pick your poison right. Do you want everything to go through the wings? And Zappacosta and Alonso and Pedro and Hazard, or do you want some midfield thrust and to go kind of through the middle? Like, I I don't I don't know if one formation is gonna do both of those things for us. I mean, I think that you know I, I love Ingolo Conte, um, a playmaker he is not um, as far as you know kind of driving the ball through uh, the midfield and and creating chances. Um, drink water should be better on the ball, but you know, I just don't think he's played enough, uh, with, uh, the talent on the field today to, to really get that going. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a good formation. Hazard seems, um, a little bit more freed up, uh, you know, without having to 
play a, a central forward role, um, even though he can float a lot in the three five two. I think that you know he he has looked really good in the last couple of matches and. You know, Dan, I, I I see positives. I mean, we clearly won the title with this formation. Um, you know, we can we can do it again. Yeah, you look at the next three matches that Chelsea have before the the gauntlet. Um, it's Bournemouth, it's Watford, and West Brom. And if there's a, a time where you would want to maybe regain confidence and continue forward in, in a good uh, winning way uh, since our kind of unbeaten run ended after the uh, loss to Arsenal in the semifinal of the Carabao Cup. You know, you have a, a real good opportunity here. You know, West Brom and Watford, two clubs that, you know, both have gone overgone managerial turnover. Uh, Bournemouth should, you know, be uh, there for the taking and should be, you know, viable prey for, you know, Antonio Conte and his men before, and, and that should build into the Barcelona United Man City run that we're going to have here at the end of the month. That's going to be pretty tight and, and tough. And I think if we, you know, add in one or two new signings before the end of the window, you know, having something where 80, 90% of the players who are on the pitch are very comfortable and confident in what they're doing, I think that's going to go a long way to producing hopefully a better result and a better outcome. You got to be careful. West Brom knocked out Liverpool in that fake cup today. They're giant slayers. Uh, yeah, you just got to just got to flop along, my friends. Just flop along the most all away. That's ridiculous. Liverpool had essentially like a full stacked lineup and they gave up three goals against West Brom. Pulis is back on the map, baby. He's back. <laughs> I I, uh, I did see that someone referred to uh, Virgil Van Dyke as a uh, a Danish David Luiz. <laughs> which <laughs> he's Dutch. Uh, yeah, that was that was uh, quite the uh, quite the wonderful comment from someone. Yeah. Well, I, I I just real quick to tie off on the formation thing. I think that Chelsea look really comfortable in it. Uh, Nick, you're right. Hazard is definitely kind of playing a hybrid central role. He is coming back and getting the ball a lot. Um, but he does have space in between the midfield and defensive lines to run at players. And that's what you want. You No matter the formation, as long as you can get Hazard running at a back line, Chelsea are going to have chances all as well. Um, my, you know, he took some hard tackles today, but thankfully he he seemed to survive it. All right, um, Zapacosta even had his sock torn after a, a late studs left in when he tried to cross it. That's so painful. Uh, he um, made he made a meal of that though. What, Come oh, on, metal studs right across your ankle bone, man. I know it's painful, but it didn't look like he was going to be able to walk again, and well, he was back out there a minute later. I it mean, probably didn't on. feel like it at the time. You get a little bit of that shock. I, I hear you. Thankfully, he was able to continue on. Moses was getting warm. It wasn't needed. Um, but, you know, the three four three. we also saw Alonso getting a lot of space in the attack, and I don't think we've seen that for a while, right? Like, we've been talking about how long, either Alonso's been tired, he's been ragged, or he's just not been in the attack like he was last season. And I think we just saw glimpses of it today. So chalk it up to Newcastle, um, you know, to Chelsea, maybe getting some, some new players, some fresh blood in there. Pedro looked good, just not sharp. Uh, I, I think that a lot of fans are going to want to see how long Antonio Conte continues with the 3-4-3 because it looked good today. But 
I, I will say that that Gale and uh, Shelby were really not giving Alonzo too much trouble, though. So, I mean, that was pretty well managed. Richie seemed to be giving more problems to Zappacasta, yeah. who... Uh, but but Pedro, I, I think, really was the beneficiary of that. You know, he was able to find real pockets of space where Alonso and Hazard were, were interchanging the wing. So yeah, that, that was nice to see sure. that we were finding like actual real estate and not so dependent on hopefully a cross, you know, with no one in the box is going to have someone run into it and knock it into goal, uh, which I think is the, the true benefit of going back to this formation and, and building comfort with the uh, with the rank and file. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, obviously, this wouldn't be a comprehensive match review if we didn't touch on the substitutions, a.k.a. the youth. So, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Ethan Ampadu both got minutes today. The third one being Ross Barkley, um, which is good for him to get minutes, obviously, as well. There were some times he, he was out there and um, he looked lost. So I think he's still really trying to figure out the formation and exactly what his role is, whether he's in the front three or center mid. But um, obviously, I think a lot of questions on this. So some social media um, kind of questions and comments for you guys to set it up. Uh, at Tosser of Coins saying, what were your overall feelings when we finished the match with two 17-year-olds on the pitch um jared andre at jared andre three saying i wonder with such a short squad in terms of numbers would it force conte to use more of the youth uh like he's read he'd like to see youth mixed in the squad with world-class talent instead of getting 30 to 40 million players all the time graduate the academy then get sandro level for example um Corey at 38 Blues saying, why not start Hudson Adoy and Ampadu? And Musanda should stay on the team, not go out on loan. I, you know, just a lot, obviously, of praise. Dan, every time the youth get in, uh, Chelsea fans just celebrate. It's a huge deal. I thought they looked pretty well. Ampadu almost had an assist on a great through ball to Pedro, perfectly oh, yeah. weighted. Uh, and then Adoy, how involved is he? He would run all the way back to the wing back, get it, and then look to break in. I mean, he he was trying to get involved as much as he can. He did not shy away from, from his debut at all. Well, maybe not debut, but today, his opportunity. Well, it's exactly what you would hope for, to have... You know, as Nick might say, game blouses and, you know, be at a point where you're ahead by two, three goals and you can slot in one or two youth team players and give them productive minutes that are going to allow them to appropriately acclimatize to the next level of the game. And, you know, Hudson Odoi is, is playing in Premier League 2 with the, you know, under 23s and it is playing well at that level. You know, we've seen, you know, Ethan Apadu play at, at a very high level in multiple positions uh, for us, you know, breaking shin bones left and right. And it's, it, it is exciting. It adds another level of excitement to the match where you know that at, you know, 50, 60, 70 minutes that this game is pretty much done and dusted, that off the bench is going to come someone who has been training in, you know, from the youngest ages is now playing for Chelsea at the the highest of levels. Um, maybe you can't classify Newcastle as that, but I was excited. And I, I think the real question is, is you know, will we get to see more of this? And, and Nick, I, I, I hope the answer is yes. Um, but I think the concern is, is will we find more competitions where, you know, Conte will be willing to, and can the squad score enough goals to make this happen? 
great question. Um, I I don't know. You know, I I I do think that Jared makes a, a, a great point. It's something that Joe Tweeds has made many times on the show before, and uh, I think would be supported by a majority of Chelsea fans, um, which would be instead of you know buying your thirty-ish million pound player, get a couple of seventy million pound players, and then you know, bring up the youth in training to see what greatness looks like. And then, you know, ideally when Callum Hudson-Odoi or Ethan Ampadu or any of these guys uh, get a chance, uh, you know, they're going to mimic Eden Hazard and N'Golo Conte. Or or, uh, in Ampadu's case as a defender as well, he could look at Andres Christensen as a relevant example or Cesar Espilicueta. Like, these are the the world-class players we have at Chelsea. And... I, I fully endorse that methodology because you need game breakers. You need you need your hazards and your courtois and and you know keep you know Angola Conte and Espelicueta. You know it's the spine of our team. And you need those guys to lock down their positions, be the best in the world. And then you also need uh, you know areas of opportunity where a Callum Hudson Odoi feels like you know what uh, you know Mishi's not bringing bringing it and training at all today, I'm going to go take my spot. I, I got this. Or, you know, Ethan Ampadu knows that N'Golo Conte is indeed a human being, um, surprisingly, and actually, you know, will need to rest from time to time. Or that Andreas Christensen got a concussion a couple weeks ago. Maybe I'm going to play in the FA Cup and I got to be ready. I got to, you know, I on these two specifically, I got to be honest with you, man, the confidence that they show on the pitch is outstanding. It is outstanding. That that pass from Ampadu today, I you know, I hit you guys in the group text immediately because I was like, that pass is money. You know, that shows me that this 17-year-old who has, you know, had his fair share of minutes this year, to be fair to him, uh, is not worried about position on the pitch or where he should, you know, be looking to pass the ball. He's looking next level. He's thinking, you know what? I know where I'm supposed to be. I have the athletic ability to make it up, and I'm going to try and ping this pass over to Pedro. And it was dead on. It was 100% accurate. So I, I'm just I'm very 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 pleased with uh, not only the fact that we got to see these guys, but hopefully that you know with, through their performance, um, and especially Adoy in this instance, because I feel like Ampadu is going to have more chances uh, already. That you know he he tries to make his mark and gets more involved because if squad depth depth is still a thing, Brandon, and we know that it is, uh, we have a you know his his post match comments said you know I hope Antonio Conte knows I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, for sure. All right, all right, bro, go yeah. get it. You know, <laughs> do it. Yeah, and same thing with Ampadu. He, as a midfielder, would go and get it. I thought that's something we kind of lacked from Drinkwater and, and N'Golo Conte. I don't blame them though because it easily could have been a uh, a tactic play from Antonio Conte, yeah. and you yeah. know, and and leaving them more in his reserved role. But yeah, Ampadu and Adoy, they both were like, "All right, I'm out here. I'm gonna go get the ball. I'm gonna make something happen." Uh, it it was great to see, really refreshing. As I mentioned, they did come on when Newcastle were pretty much down and out, um, which helps because Newcastle aren't that interested in in chasing or putting in tackles. So I think that is my only reservation from all of this is, is just to keep in perspective that um, at, at that point, it really wasn't a competitive match, 
But regardless, yeah. the amount of confidence those two those two seventeen year olds showed was fantastic. It was, it was great to see. I think everyone can get excited about it. But the the catch is Chelsea have to get up at this point. Like they have to get some goal, two goal, three goal leads to uh, create the opportunities for them as well. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's fair. Like I think it's fair to expect that. You know, you can't expect that at, at a one nil kind of score line that we're just going to, you know, that the game is not in hand, right? You know, one fluke goal, as we've seen in, in some of the games this season, can can flip the script pretty quickly. And so you know, I, I think it's also incumbent upon, you know, the players, uh, you know, as a, as a unit and as a group to be willing to say, you know, we, we want not just a win, but we want to help these people behind us, you know, get the opportunities they deserve and, if they're not converting their chances and, and winning the game handily, like they're they're going to also be a part of the reason why the development is stymied. You know, it, it can't just be about the the coach. It's, I think it's also about the players too. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Any other additional thoughts or comments that you guys have uh, on this match you want to bring up before we move on to the man of the match poll? I do not. Uh, please, please do not ask us to come up with a nickname for Callum Hunsitadoy yet. That it's, it's a little, little too early. Let's let him get his first goal. Yeah. By the way, is Will, is Willie Cabernet our official entry here, or are we still, are we still brainstorming on this? I would be open to brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right fair well, enough with that with that being said we clearly uh have reached our man of the match poll the climax of every episode so here it is dan man of the match poll who gets the coveted award our options were alonzo hashtag goals by mishi hazard and willie cabernet uh, how'd it go for you yeah, well, it was uh, no one critiqued it, so I felt really good about that. Uh, I know Nick. I think maybe had one poll that ever happened on, so uh, <laughs> it's good to good to be finding some form here mid season. And uh, goals by Mishy, sixty six percent, and uh, potentially you know could be the last man of the match poll he's in this season for us. So uh, you know if that's the case, uh, great way to go out, Mishy. Quite the bang. Yeah, it, it makes sense, right? Two goals. I mean, pretty. And he played better than what he has a lot of the season. So I think everyone's just acknowledging his, uh, his increase in output. So um, the next draw for, for the next round of the FA Cup should be Monday. So by now, you probably already know who we drew. Um, Liverpool, West Ham were knocked out. Tottenham had an 82nd minute goal by Harry Kane to earn a replay against Newport County. They are ninth wow. in League Two. And they wow. scored off of one of three shots on target and a massive 28% possession that they had today. So um, I, I feel like uh, Dan Silver, a uh, good, good friend of the show, and, yeah. and also on the Chelsea fan cast, made a, a really good comment about how a little team with no history, uh, the magic of the cup, made it yep. to, a, to replay. Congratulations, <laughs> Tottenham. <laughs> I saw that too, and I loved every second of it. Dan Silver, you, you, you witty genius, you. Um, so yeah, so Tottenham have a replay, uh, but the first round draw, uh, here's who's left, uh, West Brom, Leicester, Huddersfield, or Birmingham, Knotts County, or Swansea, Man United, Sheffield Wednesday, Man City, Coventry, Millwall, or Rochdale, Southampton, Brighton, Wigan, Hull City, Newport, or Tottenham, Chelsea, 
ball 15 in case you need to to pay attention and then this last team would be sheffield united so um that's how it stands uh fifth round coming up soon it will be played in about three weeks or so uh so there's a little bit of time in between rounds so with that being said we're going to wrap up our review here and move on to social media questions but before we get to the social media questions we have some great news for all of our listeners out there dan who are interested in going on the trip uh, to see Chelsea play Tottenham uh, coming up at the end of March, beginning of April. Uh, we extended the deadline thanks to XL Tours. Yeah, great opportunity to catch a match at the bridge against a... I mean, I, Nick, I don't know if you would call him a bitter rival. I, I mean, it's more like the kid who annoys you and, and really is like, you know, they're five foot nothing. They're trying to take a swing at you. You're six something and... Yeah, they really can't make it happen. But, I mean, it's really going to be literally like right before the trip where you can book and come along with us, do some live podcast recording, you know, get a chance to walk around the bridge, have some beers with some great friends, and that's pretty exceptional. It is. Um, I'm very excited for this. I mean, certainly uh, the Spurs match at Stanford Bridge is kind of one of those premier matches of the season that, you know, if you ever have a chance to catch, you know, even our – uh, former guest uh, Chris Fowler said that this would be, you know, one that he would uh, have to hit up. Uh, we're going to see our boy Joe Tweeds for those who have been enamored with his uh, commentary uh, live pod with uh, with the FanCast crew. Plenty of uh, plenty of pub hopping and drinks. So it, all you have to do is is go to our website. We have a whole London page set up. You can see what a potential itinerary looks like. Uh, we're also kind of working on the schedule flexibility. Should there be a Champions League match and how that would work out? And then also, um, you know, how the, uh, you know, if we don't, you know, is there a possibility to go see, you know, one of the youth teams play or go to Cobham, things like that. So lots of lots of things in the, in the uh, hopper. And uh, we will, you know, as soon as we get uh, some results back, we will uh, absolutely let everyone know what's going on. But uh, please DM us or, or email us if you have any questions. And Brandon, what is that email? Uh, contact at londonisbluepodcast.com. All right, let's go ahead and do some social media questions now. Uh, first one up, Mo Money, Mo Problems. Obviously, read on Facebook saying, um, now that you know Conte's figured out Mishi can't play as a holdup but has some success in 3-4-3, do we still need to go after Dzeko? Um, and uh, are we bungling every bit of transfer business in the past two windows? He's, he's worried that um, apparently Chelsea need to sell before we can buy and that Sanchez and world-class players are out of our reach Per the Conte quotes, I think a little bit, um, and he he wonders, Dan, has has something happened to Roman's wealth? Is all of his money tied up in the stadium deal? Is the ruble down? Why can't we compete financially the with the, the powers ruble. of Manchester <laughs> when it wasn't a problem in the past? That is a, a quite the wonderful. I, I would probably direct you back to some of the episodes we've done with Jake Cohen about the profitability of Chelsea and what we can or can't spend, and the club being a four championship and not a for profit club, uh, much like a, a Manchester United. But ultimately, yes, it sucks to think about a time in, in this era where Chelsea are not maybe going after the biggest names, but. 
it just represents the shift for what we're trying to do. You, know, you look at the past couple signings that Chelsea have had, you know, most of them are in the 25, 26 range or younger. They are trying to buy players that have potentially good resale or, you know, have the opportunity to peak at Chelsea, not necessarily have be at their peak and be acquired into Chelsea. So it'd be interesting to see how it happens over the next couple of windows, especially with World Cup coming up. That window is going to feel real, real short, Nick, and I'm just a little concerned with you know how quickly these deals haven't happened or haven't moved forward. That it, it may leave us struggling a little bit if we're going to go after someone like uh, you know uh, Leon uh, Bailey or uh, from Leverkusen. You know, he might be someone that Chelsea are looking at in the, the summer, but it's going to be hard to pull that off if we're going to you know haggle over pounds and you know maybe a couple thousand in the wage bill. Yeah, I, I think I am. I am concerned um, because it just doesn't feel like we can do a deal straight up anymore. It feels like they're, you know, the the haggling that goes on, you know, over some of these minor details is, um, you know, I, I it's not my money, so that is. I'm just saying that, but it it, it seems like any deal takes eons and eons to to do and. I am not even sure if we're going to sign another player this window because it's January 28th today. Um, Monday the 29th through the 31st is is our window now. And, you know, we've essentially been negotiating with Roma for, what, two weeks now over these, you know, two players that, you know, Chelsea might or might not even want. Um, you know, I think, I think it's a little bit frightening um, because – Manchester United, when they figured out that Alexis Sanchez was still on the table, uh, it seemed like a period of four or five days that they they got that uh, player swap done with with Arsenal. So, uh, not even as much worried about the money as I am about the time it seems to take. All right, another one which is kind of interesting is at Nathan uh, Vance one saying, um, "What are our thoughts on the Luis Enrique rumor?" Uh, for manager, that would be a uh, potential Conte's replacement. Uh, the last time he was manager was at Barcelona. Uh, pretty good spell while he was there. Obviously, it's hard not to these days at Barcelona. Um, but he walked away on his own saying the intensity of that manager's position was too intense. No privacy, no sleep. It, it just burned him out. Uh, oh, man, Chelsea's the perfect place for him to come then. Yeah. It's going to be like a summer holiday. <laughs> talk, yeah, talk about a low-pressure environment. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's too early to talk about that. I would hope so. Of course I mean, it is. In, in most of it's shut, just, just shut this out. down. Yeah. Shut this one down. This is this is dumb to even talk about. And not that, Nathan, I'm, I'm saying that you're dumb. It's I think that any question that begins with who's our next manager going to be, dumb. Dumb until it happens. Just and even if it, you know, I, like I can't even entertain this stand. It just drives me nuts. What, what I will say, and you know, let's 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 narrative this just for a second. You know, if the club is aware or has a belief that you know Conte will be gone at the end of the season, they probably would be behind the scenes, starting to sniff out or understand, you know, who is on that short list of people that they're looking at or looking after. And, and I would imagine that anyone who's coached or managed one of the largest clubs is going to be on that list. Um, you know, Zidane, if he gets sacked, would probably be on our list. Uh, you know, uh, Tuchel um, for, you know, that's what he did at Dortmund would potentially be on that list. And so I, I think the thing is, just, you know, every big name would get linked with Chelsea if they're available. 
Well, hopefully that's not even an issue. Um, how about Alonzo on the left wing back backup debate? So obviously Kennedy left since the last time we uh, recorded a podcast in Newcastle on loan. Uh, sounds like uh, Emerson Palmieri will be coming in from Roma. Um, but M Rossell 16 on Instagram posted this says Alonzo's free kicks alone should make Conte think twice about ever replacing him. He comes up clutch when asked upon to score goals and he's a wingback. Do we really need someone of Sandro's caliber and spend over 60 million or find a suitable backup for Alonzo and invest the saved money somewhere else? Uh, and if we were to lose Alonzo through injury, where would we get set piece goals from? Because it seems like William hasn't scored a free kick in what feels like ages. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, right? Like Alonzo has really become our go-to free kick taker. I mean, William, if he's out there, uh, can stand over. But you don't even really see someone like Hazard on it at that point. Um, it's it's surprisingly not a very deep field of, of free kick shooters, Nick, in the team, especially if you can't pull a David Luiz from the back. Um, so Marcus Alonso is a great free kick taker from very from one very specific position on the field. Um, if, if I were a uh, Premier League manager and I gave away a free kick in the, in the Alonso zone, uh, or the Alonzo, there it is. That's better. Jeez. Um, oh. Then, yeah, there it is. Everyone just picking up what I'm laying down. Um, then I would, then I would just, uh, you know, it's like it's like, um, you know, playing to a left-handed batter and and you know, uh, using the shift in baseball. Like eventually, he's not his, his target area is going to be so small. Um, that it's it's going to be really hard. So like I think there's just a little bit of like nuance to this. And Hazard was standing over him today. That's who I want to see step up and start taking more of these. Uh, we've seen him take free kicks before, and I feel like he, um, in in all of his um, amazing ability, this is something that he can really step up and, and improve upon. Um, but yes, we also need another left back, and yes, we need as many world class players at Chelsea as possible. So yes. Uh, Alexandro and or another type of person like that would be welcome at Chelsea because think about the tactical flexibility you have. You know, let's say if, uh, you know, Hazard or Pedro is not playing their best, you could even bring Alonzo on as an attacker, really. Like, we know he has the ability to to drive forward and and shoot the ball or or pass it from even a more advanced role. So 100% we need that depth. No question about it, Dan. Yeah, I... It's interesting when you've kind of done some of the the, the homework on, uh, you know, Palomari, and you know he he was what the option was going to be for Juventus if they sold Sandro. They were going to go after him as the backup uh, or the kind of new Sandro mold, and I, I think that has to you know get you a little excited, get you a little interested. I think he's coming off an injury, so it's going to be interesting to see you know what level of fitness he he does or doesn't have right now, and. You know, we, we uh we're, we're, we've got some great physios, so hopefully we can get him up to uh, to game readiness. And you know, I think the the thought is that even if Jekko doesn't come, that uh, you know he will probably be a Chelsea player uh, by the end of this window. All right. Well, uh, last one we have is from uh, Polly Cocker on Instagram saying, a lot has been made of our striker issues, but it seems like our biggest problem in attack is our complete lack of create 
of a creative attacking midfielder that can drive at a defense and free up our front three. At one point today, Drinkwater got the ball, had 25 yards of space in front of him, and opted to send a long ball instead of attacking on the dribble. It was infuriating. Am I off base here? Nick, I said it in our text. Our midfield were pretty much non-existent offensively. Um, but maybe that's what they were set up to today is to sit back and let our wingbacks in front three attack. So um, in a 3-4-3, you really don't have an attacking midfielder set up in that formation. Yeah, I mean, that that is the... Um you know the the weakness of that formation and it's a weakness that Chelsea has in general you know unless Eden Hazard um you know kind of joins the midfield and we we, we play a, a two striker setup um then I, I don't know how you fix that because he's it's either he, he or William uh taking the ball up or are two best options in that scenario um you know and I think that you waste them a little bit in that role because you know it's just them dribbling instead of actually shooting or creating chances near around the box so uh i think it's a weakness of the team and i think it's a weakness of the 343 but it doesn't mean to me um that you know bakioko couldn't start doing that a little more because he has that in him um certainly it would be what you know we would expect a ross barkley to be able to do or a ruben loftus cheek to to do uh, should he come back healthy and, and and certainly hope that he does after his injury, you know, th- th- that's the kind of person that I think you're, you're probably looking for probably cracker. So um, options just not right now, unfortunately. All right. Well, let's go ahead and um, again, thank everyone for all of your social media questions. Um, we appreciate them and they are fantastic. Apologies. We can't get to all of them. Uh, so real quick, um, Nick, uh, before we get to the match preview uh, of Bournemouth, um, essentially not only if you come to London with us are we going to go to the Spurs match, we are looking at some other options to make sure you can get a second match of some sort as well. Right, so as I kind of noted previously, um, you know, we, we certainly want to take in as much football as you want to take in. So if there are matches around um, London on, on off days for Chelsea, uh, we can certainly get tickets to those. XL Tours does a great job of hooking that up, plus other experience um, stuff. Uh, we will do our best um, to facilitate all of that and make sure that you know people are able to get the experience that they wanted to. Uh, we had a, a couple of guys on our last trip go to uh, to a Wimbledon match, um, so they you know they were in a stadium of four thousand people and just were taking it in. And you know I think that you know if you're looking for that kind of experience, it's possible, Dan. And and we certainly want to make sure that you know while you're over there that you have the uh, the time of your life. Yeah, you know, we always seem to get some some really great feedback when we, we take people over and we, we put these trips together and specifically for our wonderful friends at XL Tours and uh, yeah, they do it right. And so if you've been considering it, if you, you've heard about it, you have more questions, you want to know what it's like, you know, please, please hit us up, let us know, we'd be happy to answer anything. And I imagine, you know, if you feel like you're going to miss out on this one, you know, please, please let us know if you're interested in a certain time window in the coming months or in, into the next season and you know, we can definitely get you get you on the list and, and keep you front of mind and, you know, keep your interest uh, registered so that uh, for any other future trips, we got you on the list. 
All right. Well, real quick, let's just go ahead and wrap up this episode with our match preview. Uh, finally back to Premier League action, taking on Bournemouth. It will be at Stamford Bridge this coming Wednesday, January 31st. Games come thick and fast right now, uh, as we know, and it's not going to lighten up anytime soon. Uh, head-to-head, Chelsea have four wins uh, out of five. And the way it looks, uh, we have three wins, two draws. Bournemouth have three draws, two wins. But they've beaten Arsenal recently, 2-1. Um, and then they go and draw West Ham, 1-1. So essentially the way it stands is uh, you don't really know what you're going to get out of Bournemouth. But they have been struggling uh, for the most part of the season, even for a while, Eddie Howe, uh, his job was um, being called into question, Nick. As far as it stands, though, I mean, right, w- this is a take care of business. Keep the keep the kind of momentum going forward of positive results. Um, I, they're in 12th place, right? I mean, they're shipping goals like crazy. Chelsea should do the business. Correct. Uh, we should. Um, I have uh, zero doubt that we'll go out there and put on a show on Wednesday. Um, you know, certainly would look for squad rotation, Dan, to be a major part here. Maybe, um, you know, get to see perhaps if Morata's, you know, back to any sort of fitness. Get to see him in there. The the weird the weird scenario in this is that this is on deadline day. Um so I, you know, I'm a little leery for any of our kind of fringe players who might be, you know, potential to leave or go out on loan. That this this might not be their match because of all the other shenanigans that could be happening that day. But, um, but otherwise, yeah, I think this was a take care of business one. Yeah, when you think about it this way, you know, Swans here at the bottom of the table with 20 points, and you know, 10th place is Wofford with 26. So Bournemouth, even at 25 points, is not anywhere near the realm of safety right now. Especially with Swansea returning to form a little bit, West Brom trying to find ways to beat Liverpool in, in cup competition here. Uh, it, this bottom half of the table is really, really intense right now. When you look at the fact that. You know, the top four is pretty much you know outside of Liverpool, fifty plus right now. Uh, so you know, there's not a lot of hope for these teams, whether it be Watford or Crystal Palace or Huddersfield, to you know kind of vie for any European spots. But you know, Bournemouth loses one or two more games the wrong way, you know, they they could be looking at you know ascending back down. And so I, I think that makes them scary and makes them you know they're they're a caged animal, right? And they know that coming in here. Yeah, you know, if they can even get a draw, yeah, you know, that's a positive result for them in this scenario. So I, I don't expect an easy game. I, I do expect a winnable game, especially if we continue on the form that we saw today. The last time we played him, uh, Hazard got his first Premier League goal of the campaign, actually in the 51st minute. Um, we were in a 3-4-3 at that point. Bournemouth was also playing a three-back set at that time. It essentially was a five-back, realistically. Um, but they, they did frustrate Chelsea for for a lot of the time, obviously. And I think that that's something to you know, kind of take into consideration, see how it goes. Uh, they're not going to make it easy, Dan, You know, like you said. Um, they conceded a ton of pos- possession to Chelsea. And so... It's you're right. Twelfth in the table is a little misleading, uh, just because of how tight it is at the bottom. So, 
Um, I, I think that Chelsea will look to put out their strongest lineup. Hopefully we get some some of the, the injured people back, like uh, Fabregas is on the bench, but if we can get Morata um, and, and William and even potentially... Um, I think those two specifically, we'd be in a good position. But, Nick, I like your shout about the fact that it's on deadline day, which could always make things a little interesting. Well, and I think, you know, I, I, I would look for Morata to be re- – or Morata. Uh, Alonzo to be rested here. Probably have Zappacosta on the left, uh, who played really well today, by the way. I think I think Zappacosta gets a uh, a nod from me uh, from, uh, from the right-hand side. But I think he'll play on the left. I think Moses will come back uh, on the right. Uh, and then, you know, we'll kind of see, you know, I'm sure Dave will, will come back as well. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be a weird one. You know, on, on deadline day, you never know what will happen. Hopefully Chelsea get their business done well in advance of the 11th hour, but it does not appear like that will happen. No chance. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, and we've seen this happen a couple of times this season, is will Eddie Howe and Bournemouth be looking ahead to a match against Stoke? a match against Hutherfield, a match against Newcastle being their next, you know, three matches after this one. And do they start to, you know, just think about, you know, what's the winnable game here and what are the games we can actually get a result out of? And maybe if someone, you know, needs a little rest after, you know, kind of playing some more consecutive matches, uh, do they maybe not field that lineup that we're expecting? So I think that's one kind of interesting wrinkle to maybe keep an eye on as the lineups get announced if a you know funky kind of combination pops up from Borman. All right. Well, with that being said, Chelsea fans, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, appreciate all of you for listening and hanging out with us uh, again on this, on this uh, post-match recap. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to do final thoughts and get out of here. So, uh, Dan, anything from you that you want to send the listeners out with? Uh, you know, Brandon last week made a comment on, uh, on Twitter that, that, that stung me. <laughs> and uh, you know, might have also mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, do we really want to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. Like, no one wants that. That, that is a terrible end of the world scenario. So, uh, you know, go Pats. Fake news. <laughs> Our Twitter mentions didn't agree, but that's okay. I'm sure if we would have posted a pro Patriots tweet, that we would have gotten some support. Maybe one one reality. Uh, no, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> uh, what about you, man? Uh, yeah, a little bit of somber news, but um, you know, for those who saw our tweet this week, um, you know, our, our good friend Eric, uh, I think he's Quick Shot CFC on Instagram, uh, had uh, his his mom pass away, and so we want to send our condolences, obviously, to him uh, on our limited airwaves, but um, also have a, a call out for our friends who who listen to the very end of this podcast. Uh, he has a GoFundMe set up um, to help cover some of the exorbitant expenses it, it takes to um to take care of uh, a loved one after they pass and certainly you know would encourage everyone to um go visit his gofundme page uh, we'll tweet out another link to it and uh and if you feel compelled uh donate i think all three of us have as well so uh just a, a big uh big virtual hug to eric uh, as he kind of gets uh, some some really difficult life circumstances together, and um, you know, uh, hopefully, our uh, our community branding can rally around and, and help them out. Hundred um, percent. That's what we've seen out of a lot of uh, sport 
communities and fan bases is, is rallying together around people we may not necessarily know in person, but uh, share the love and passion for Chelsea together. So again, even just uh, a message to him of support would go a long ways and any donation is just absolutely above and beyond. But with that being said, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap. So until next time, midweek match, make sure you get on the calendars Wednesday. All right. Until next time, we'll be here. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.